As a small business owner, have you ever felt overwhelmed by the pressure of choosing the right hire or leading a team? Or have you ever found yourself tolerating a bad hire because you fear trying and failing again as you repeat the hiring process? If so, you're not alone and you are in the right place. Welcome to the Growing Your Team podcast. The Growing Your Team podcast teaches business owners like you to expand your unique business by teaching you to master the hiring and team management process. Hiring and managing a team does not have to be a challenge. You just have to learn to do it right. And the Growing Your Team podcast teaches you how to become a confident leader who hires right every single time. Now, let's jump into the show where each episode, you will learn tips on how to identify what type of help you need on your team, how to source amazing candidates, how to conduct interviews that lead you to your idea team member, how to onboard successfully, and how to lead every person in your business so you have a team of rock stars who you are happy to pay every single paycheck. So let's jump in and teach you how to hire like a pro. Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here, and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, I have on guest Kara Steinman. Kara is the founder of Ravel Collective and host of Ravel Radio Podcast, and she helps purpose-driven women service entrepreneurs build strategic networks that lead to referrals, collaboration, visibility, and fun. Kara's expertise is all around building that network that works for you. And we are using her knowledge in today's episode on how to use that network to get referrals for your business and how to really use that network as an extension of your team. So instead of having to go out and hire sales representatives, how do you get that flow of referrals from people that know you, like you, trust you, and want to refer someone to you when they know someone has a problem that you can help solve? We also talk about in this conversation how to thank referrals. Should you be paying a referral fee? Should you just be sending a thank you gift? What does it look like to thank referrals so that way they're encouraged to continue sending you business in the future? So let's jump into the conversation and hear all about how you can use your network in place of a sales team. Hi, Kara. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Growing Your Team podcast. Thanks. Glad to be here. Yes. Before we get into today's conversation, can you take a few minutes and introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. No problem. I'm Kara Steinman, and I'm a business development strategist. And mostly I build communities online these days that help women entrepreneurs solve problems together that they could not solve separately or would have a much more difficult time doing that separately. So um, that's how I help women entrepreneurs. And that's kind of what I'm passionate about because I have experienced the difficulties and the challenges being a mom and an entrepreneur and just being a woman in this space. And I want to make it easier for us. 
Yes. And I feel like those relationships and everything are so important because if you're in a large corporation, you might have almost everything you need inside that company to do well. You have the people that can train, you have the people you can go to when you have a problem, you have the people that have been there, done it, can give you insights. And a small business, you don't have that internally. And a lot of people feel like, well, what do I do? I have to do it all myself. And I just remind people, you don't always have to do it all yourself. You have you have a network you can lean on. I was just talking to someone for a different podcast interview where we were talking about training and they're like, you know, there's probably someone else on your team that can train. And then I said, well, hold on. Sometimes <laughs> people are small businesses of just one. You might not have someone else internally, but even that conversation, we said, Someone on your team might be not be someone internally. It could be someone in your extended network. Yeah. Expanding the meaning of the word team, right? Like when you're working as a like solopreneur and you don't invest in building relationships around you, it can feel a little bit like the wild west. Like you got to watch your six and you're on your own and you're just this lone ranger out there trying to make a business work. But there are people all around you. Even your family can be an extension of your team. Um, but building those relationships and leaning on other people is pretty valuable. Yes, yes, it is. And I'll just share like two quick examples of how this has worked recently for me in my business. Obviously, I help with hiring. So I'm in it. Well, I'm not a full HR consultant because we only help with the hiring portion. We're in that network with a lot of HR consultants. There's a lot of HR consultants that I work with all the time and we send referrals back and forth, but sometimes they do recruiting as well. So in a way we could be seen as competition. But one of them contacted me just last month and said, hey, I'm running into something really funky with Indeed. Do you have a minute? Have you ever ran into this? And we got on a Zoom real quick and we talked to the problem. I helped her through it based on like my experience. And she's like, all right, send me an invoice for your time. And I'm just like, Jill, like, no, this is like a silly question. This isn't stuff I charge clients to like for me to do for them. Like, why am I going to charge you? Like we're, we're friends, we're network, we help each other out. Like this is a, this is a, it took me five minutes to answer your question. Like, I'm not going to do that because she refers people to me. I refer people to her. It's kind of that, that thank you. And then another thing, like I reached out to someone and I said, hey, like I have a question about something. This is your area of expertise. Can I pay for some of your time to get on a phone? And can you consult with me for that? And she's like, Jamie, this is going to take me five minutes to answer that question. Let's just schedule a coffee chat, catch up, and I'll answer it then. So it's like, yeah, you can get those things back and forth, get your questions answered, get the support you need without necessarily having to hire someone because you've built those relationships. Yeah. And I know there are, those are great examples because I know there are a lot of people out there who would say you charge for your time. You have to charge for your time, but I'm like, I'm more like you, which makes me a terrible consultant because I should be charging for that time. Right. Or should I like, yeah. that's not, well, I'm, my business is building online communities. I, ch I charge access fees to come into that community and benefit from being in there. I, if I'm answering a question for somebody that has nothing to do with that, why wouldn't I just let the reciprocity build up and take that opportunity to build rapport with them instead so that we have more trust and we have more. So I have someone out there who, you know, trusts me and wants to connect with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it is that balance because yes, you need to charge for your time. I feel like, especially as women, we tend to be a lot of us helpers. So we're like, oh, let me just help you. Let me just help you. Let me just help you. And then all of a sudden you realize like, wow, I'm losing out on money. 
So yeah, you need to definitely charge for your time, but there's, there's that give and take and it's knowing sometimes when, because there's some of those things where I've yet done something quick and free for someone and it's resulted in thousands of dollars of business down the road because we've built that relationship. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, you got to have a balance, right? And there's some people are going to be takers. Um, God, what's that guy's name? He wrote give and take. I think it's give and take. It's a book. I'm going to butcher it, but there's a great book out there. Adam Grant wrote um, give and take. And he talks about there's three different kinds of people, givers, takers, and matchers. And you'd think that like the matchers would come out ahead at the end of the day, but really it's the givers. You just have to be strategic about who you give to and you have to give to givers because then it's reciprocal. Um, and the other thing is like the money issue. That is something we have assigned value to, but there we can assign value to other things. Like I just recently launched Liter- Literation Lab. This is this community where we're taking back our creative confidence because I had found that I wanted to start writing again. I had had a big like dry spell in writing and I had this stuff bubbling up in me and I wanted to start writing again. And I was just like resistant. I was stuck. I couldn't put my thoughts on the paper. I couldn't share them on a post anywhere. And I thought at first it was a writing problem, like I'd forgotten how to write. But then I realized it was a creative confidence problem. I, If I could get over the resistance to it and the resist- resistance to being seen, then I would do it. And I just had to open up those doors again and build that creative confidence. So I created this container to do that. But it's a ghost town when you first start a create, <laughs> like any kind of container or community. And it's sort of a chicken egg problem. So I called a few of my good friends who I'd built a lot of rapport with. And I said, hey, you guys, come in this community with me. We need to get this going. I need your help. And if I hadn't given them tons of advice and shared my time with them prior, they wouldn't have been very likely to do that and help me out. So you never know how it's going to pay off. Yeah. And sometimes it's down the road. Sometimes it's right away. It's it's also sometimes making those mistakes and saying, well, I'm not going to get anything from that. But it's about having kind of having that good faith and being that all around good person and building that network which is a lot of what we're going to talk about today is kind of using the network that that you've built to really succeed in your business. But before we get into that, I want to make sure we take a few moments to talk about confidence. Because as you mentioned, you just recently started this program that's all about building creative confidence. And as we talked a little bit before jumping on this interview today is a lot of us lack confidence whether it is with the creative side, with the writing side, or for when I'm working with business owners, it's a lot of, I I don't know how to lead. I don't know how to hire. How am I going to pick the right person? We lack confidence all the time. And it's holding us back in ways that we're not even realizing. Absolutely. Think about, like we talk about creativity and we think about it in terms of painting or writing or something like that. But when you're building a business, you're creating something out of thin air. Every single day, you're creating the future that you're going to live, the moves that you make, the things that you do, whether you put it out in the world or not put it out in the world. You have to have the confidence to say, I'm going to do this and it might not work, but I'm going to pick myself up and I'm going to continue to go, even if it's not exactly what I think it's going to be. And that takes a lot of balls. It takes a lot of confidence to say, I might get knocked down, but that's okay. And if it's not perfect, I'm going to survive. But and this is interesting. NASA did a story or a study, a longitudinal study a while back of four and five-year-olds, and they measured their creative levels. And 96% of them were off the charts, creative geniuses. Five years later, they measured them again, and only only 30% were creative geniuses. 
Five years later, only 12%. And when they measure them again as adults, only 2% measured as creative geniuses because school and rules and standardized testing and you're right or you're wrong. There's no gray area and it kills our creative confidence. But if we're going to create a business, if we're going to create a movement or a product or an offering or anything or create a team, we have to be able to be okay with it not being perfect the first time. Yes. Yes. I love that. And if you think about it, like so many of us really jumped into that unknown. We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't have the roadmap in front of us when we started our business, but we were willing to do it. And yes, there are times where I think our confidence that we're conscious about it, it holds us back. But at times like we're here, you know, one of the things that I say is I work with and I, and I always have to explain what I mean here. Cause I'm like, I work with creative entrepreneurs and people are like, well, I'm not in the creative space. I'm not the copywriter. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing artistic things. And I'm like, that's not what I mean by creative entrepreneurs. What I mean is the people that are running businesses on their own terms. They're building the business that they want, where they're going to succeed, what's going to make them happy instead of looking and say, Joe Smith's business down the road is this. I need to copy his exact framework in order to be successful and run a business in this industry. It's no, you can run a business in the industry however you want, and it can be successful that you're not following the the standard box that's put in front of you. Absolutely. What you just said is so important about your terms. And if we're always looking outside of ourselves for the answers, we're not looking inside for what's right for us. And if we know who we are and what's right for us, then we can surround ourselves with a network that is alike to us. Like we share the same core values. We understand each other. I think as entrepreneurs, personal development and self-awareness is like our number one job. We have to know who we are so that we know that we're doing what's right, right for us. Yes. Yeah. And I think of it like it is it is hard at times to like get to that, to understand what's right for you, to, to break down those norms that have maybe been presented to you all these, all this time. And especially when you're entering into something where you don't know what you don't know yet. And I think that's why it is so important to get involved in organizations and groups and masterminds and collaboratives where you can have conversations a lot of times with the same people over and over again that are going through this business journey as well, which is you know one of the reasons why programs like yours are so powerful because you're you're learning from each other. And when you're having those conversations, first you realize I am not alone in my struggles, but also you hear about things that they're doing and it makes you go, oh, I never thought of that. Oh my goodness, I could do this in my business. Uh, a few years ago, I was invited in. Someone wanted to build a mastermind of people in the HR field. And I had no idea really you know, what I was going to get out of this. It was just, a, I think, five of us HR professionals that got together once a month. And we talked about our business. We talked about our challenges. And every one of us made pivots or changes in our business that year that resulted in significant growth that we would have never made if we weren't a part of that group. And it wasn't like, we said the biggest changes didn't come on the day when we were on the hot seat where we said, okay, I'm having this challenge, help me through it. The biggest changes came from listening to other people talk about their business, their challenges, how they overcame a problem. And it was all these like little light bulb moments that are like, 
I never thought about that. Oh my gosh, I can go do that in my business. I can stop working with these clients that drive me crazy. I can do this. I can do that. And it was just this, this confidence that was built by surrounding ourselves with other business owners. That is such a powerful thing when we are in a room with a bunch of other people solving problems together, you know, like, um, and there's a lot of masterminds out there and some of them are very, very strict and some of them are very casual, but, um, just having, sometimes I have a mastermind that I started recently too for like community builders and thought leaders who are bringing women entrepreneurs together called the conscious connectors collective. And it's a small mastermind and we meet once a month, but what we've done is we've, we've given each other our Voxers. We're on Voxer also. And so part of the benefit of having this community is that we are also connected outside of the mastermind. So I can, I can have a ping and I can have a question and I can contact one of the gals and ask her, and we're sharing each other's expertise outside of that box. Also, like we're opening up our, our like thought leadership and our expertise to these people, like you said, without charging them because we're a part of this community, but some of the most incredible breakthroughs you have are just listening. Like when you show up and you don't have a problem necessarily that day, but you hear someone else's problem and it just triggers something in your own, in your own business or your own life. And you're like, Oh, I can apply that, that, that tracks here too. Yes. Yes. And it helps you build the confidence that not everyone's perfect. That helps you figure out what you need to do next. And the scripts are just so, so, so powerful. Like, you know, so Anyone listening, if you're not a part of some organization, some group, go check it out. And of course, you know, we'll share all the information about Kara's groups and everything that she has in the show notes. It's really hard for us to be vulnerable, I think, as entrepreneurs, because we're doing something that's a little bit scary sometimes. We don't know if we're doing it right sometimes, not that there's a right and a wrong way, but you know, we're on Instagram and we're seeing everybody's polished stuff and they all look like they know what they're doing. And but once you get in a small room with a bunch of other entrepreneurs, you realize that they're just they're just figuring it out like you are. And there's then once you become vulnerable with them, it's easier, you can relax a little bit and you can start thinking outside the box a little bit. When our nervous system is escalated, when we're on defense mode or we, our perfectionism is kicked in, we can't be creative. It's it's stifled. So having a calm nervous system and being chill and not feeling threatened is a really important ingredient in creativity and being in, in having ingenuity, having ingenuity. Yes. Yeah. I would say this last year, I went to a, a conference for an organization that I've been part of for a few years. And this isn't the first time I went to an event like this, but this one really stood out to me where this organization, you have everybody in there from people that are just starting their business. So have probably not even made $10,000 yet in their business to people that own billion dollar businesses. And it's just all for women. Like there's no the threshold of how much you have to be making to join or this or that. It's just if you're a woman business owner who's ambitious and you're ready to really be motivated and support each other, you can join. And at this event, there was a woman speaking who owns a huge business that probably most people have heard about. And she got up there on stage and talked about challenges, mistakes that she made, mistakes that she's still making, her weaknesses, you know, what she did to overcome the naysayers and like all this stuff. And it's just so powerful to sit there and hear this person who has from, from the forefront, when you just look at the brand and you look at their locations and stuff, this super, super successful business. And yes, it is successful when you look behind the curtain too, but even when you're that successful CEO, 
that you still have doubts. You still have challenges. You still have things you would need to overcome. You still, as she said, sometimes resisted delegating and was working crazy hours because she was afraid to delegate in her business and like and things like that. And it's just so powerful to hear those stories. Yeah. Think about how important it would be to embrace the chaos and be okay with things not being perfect, especially if you're building a team, because it's going to get a little messy for a minute before it gets better, right? Yes. 100%. Yeah. So, okay. Let's Confidence is so important. Like we could talk about this all day, but let's kind of (laughs) circle this back around to building teams. And first and foremost, like, I think this is an important place where once again, that confidence goes into play because you need to be confident that things aren't going to fail just because you bring in a team. You need to feel confidence that you are going to sometimes screw up but overall, you're going to be successful when you start building your team. And just, just keep telling yourself that, that things might be not be perfect. There's going to be that messy middle, but you're going to be successful. But let's talk a little bit about getting those right people into your business and using your network to help fill the openings and everything that, that you need. And with some industries... What I I will tell business owners, I was actually just having a conversation with a business owner the other day and for certain positions that she needed to bring onto her business, I said, you can post on a job board, but guess what? You're never going to get the results you want for that position on a job board. You need to work your network. So let's talk about using references for job openings. Yeah, I see that all the time. And it's it's funny because like I want to clarify something when we say use your network. We're not saying that somebody in your network is going to come work for you necessarily. It's the 150 people they each know that that might be a really great fit. And the reason they might be a great fit is that if you enjoy being with people and you've surrounded yourself with people that you trust and who trust you, you probably have some core values aligned. You're probably really relatively alike and birds of a feather flock together. So you know how important that culture fit is, the having people on your team that you can trust who who are in on the same path of vision that you are and they really get what you're doing, they care about what you care about and you get that kind of commitment from them. Well, they're going to be way more likely to be hanging out with people you already enjoy. So right. tapping into that now, I see it all the time in Ravel, which is the community that I have. It's a referral network for women service entrepreneurs, specifically B2B, like bookkeepers and um, HR consultants, marketers, stuff like that. And they will often come in the group and post and say, hey, I'm looking for somebody to do this. Does anybody know somebody who does this? And inevitably, they like to choose from inside the group if they can. There's a loyalty that's kind of been built there. But there's always a list of comments afterwards saying, you know, I think I know somebody who might be great for that. Let me reach out to her and see if she's open to it. The the success rate in finding what you're looking for when people actually care enough about you to stop what they're doing and pay attention is pretty powerful. Yeah. And if you think about it, you know, someone asks you if they know someone, let's say, let's not even talk about hiring employees. Let's talk about like something that can relate to everyone. You need to hire a plumber or your friend needs to hire a plumber. You you really value that friendship. You've had an experience with a horrible plumber. 
you're not going to rough. You're not going to say, Hey, here's a plumber that I know I had a horrible experience. Hopefully it's better that better for you. No, because you value that relationship. So, but if you have a plumber that you really value and you care for, you're going to pass them on because you also know that it's your name on the line when you pass along that person. So it's the same when people are referring people to you for your openings, they're going to refer people that they think are really is going to do a good job for you because they don't want their name attached to somebody who is going to come and be a horrible employee. That's going to be a nightmare for you because they value that relationship that you built and they want to keep that relationship strong. Exactly. There's like an integrity we want to maintain with our relationships and we're not going to send you somebody who sucks (laughs) or think about like, think about hiring a bookkeeper. You're letting that, that person's coming into your team in your business. And they are seeing the backside of your business that maybe is a little messy and maybe, you know, that's pretty personal. Your money can be a little bit personal. And um, you're probably going to ask somebody for a referral before you just Google bookkeepers online, because you want to know that you can trust that person with, you know, to be discreet and to be high quality. So you're going to ask your network, Hey, does anybody have a good, good good bookkeeper they can recommend? Yes. Yes, definitely. You know, it's one of those things where you know, we focus at growing your team a lot on hiring employees, but people will ask us, how do I get a good VA? How do I get this? And the first thing I say is ask your network, ask the people who are already using these types of services to see if they have anyone that they'll refer to you because they, they know those people, they trust those people. The VA that they're working with, is not typically just their VA, that VA has other clients. So it's not like you're stealing someone from them in order for them to work for you. So it's like, yes, ask. I always say, ask your network before you go post out on any job board for a virtual assistant, before you go looking at, at Upwork or any of those things for a bookkeeper, ask your network. Yeah. And having a really engaged network that you have reciprocity built up with is not that hard to do. It doesn't take, you don't have to put their names in your CRM and make sure you email them once a month or whatever. Just like be conscious of who they are and what they need and make introductions between people that you know, who don't know each other. Um, Here's a really great example. Like two years ago, I met a gal who was a, a fractional CFO and she's a total connector and she's always introducing people. She randomly introduced me to this woman named Lizzie Brooks, who has a virtual assistant company. She hires all these women to be virtual assistants. I use them full disclosure and they're awesome. But two years ago, I was nowhere near needing a, a VA. And I was like, I don't know why she's introducing me to this person. She just felt like I needed to know them for some reason. So we connected, we stayed in touch. And then I had really great result, or I had really great um feedback from my friend. She said she used them and they were awesome. So that was a personal reference. And then when it came time to refer somebody for a VA to a friend, I was like, well, I I don't have personal experience, but I know somebody who has a great experience with these guys. So guess what? When like a few months ago when I needed to hire a VA, guess who I called? And now their like manager gal is in Ravel and she's connecting with all these other women in there who have experience with her company and need VAs. So all from a random introduction that I wasn't really sure why I was being made at the time. So two yeah. years later, you just never know. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. You never know what's going to happen with those connections. And, you know, as we talked about, it's always just kind of like, you know, being that, being that giver, you know, the people that are those givers are going to succeed. So it's making those introductions, making those connections, making sure they're valuable connections. You know, as, as I talked about, like there are some positions that'll tell people, you know, 
you're not going to get the best results from a job board, go and talk to your network and, you know, just kind of dive a little bit more into that. Like the one I always say is uh, people that own insurance agencies, when they want to hire a new salesperson, they always say, I want someone who might or might not come over with a book of business because that's, that's always a little bit more difficult, but, but as experienced, they can build that book of business quickly and, and everything. And I always say, the person that is really good at sales, who's really good at being that all-star insurance salesperson is not looking to leave their organization because most of them are independent contractors and they're making really good money where they are. If they're going to leave, it's because they have problems with their boss or they're relocating to the area. So they need to leave their current organization anyway. So it was like, if you have problems with your boss, but you're really good at what you do and you're making the money, sometimes you're just going to suck it up and deal with it until the perfect opportunity presents itself, which means you're not necessarily looking at job boards because how do you know that that boss is going to be better than the one you have? You're going to listen to people in your network when they say, hey, I know you're you're tentatively looking Here's a here's someone I know who treats their team well, who you're gonna fit in really great with, and it gets you out of that opportunity or gets you out of that position that you don't necessarily want to be in. So it's like one of those things I always say: talk to your network, talk to your network, talk to your network, because they're gonna know who wants to leave, even though they're not actively looking. Totally, that's who knows. Guess who knows when someone's available, but they don't look like they're available. They're friends. They know yeah. that they're they know they're thinking of pivoting in their business or they they know that they're thinking of leaving this job or taking on a different role or gosh anything you just you tell your friends you open up to your friends about the, and i consider my network my friends i would there's not a single member of ravel that i wouldn't want to go have a cup of coffee with in fact six of us are going to mexico in november for like a margarita mastermind and i haven't even met three of these Ooh. girls in person yes but but it's like you can learn a lot from people online. And I don't think you have to get on, like if you're going to reach out and ask somebody, pretend like LinkedIn's a job board, but don't ask for the per people to respond directly. Just say, hey, does anybody know somebody good who can do this? And most of the time, LinkedIn's a, maybe not the greatest example because it's so vast and the algorithm messes you up. But like in smaller containers, like networking communities or, you know, there's all kinds of small communities. I, I love them because there's no algorithm involved and they're more curated and people are paying attention. Yes, yes, definitely. Okay. So one of the things that I want to make sure we talk about today is when we were first were connected, I think it was all around like possibly using the using these referrals and everything for for sales and help to build your sales. And I really want to talk about that because as small business owners, one we look at cost of anything that we do. So sometimes we sit there and say, oh gosh, I need help with sales. It's one of those things that I can't do it all in my business or I get really busy with clients. So I let all those sales activities stop, which then means my sales stop as I'm you know, wrapping up with those clients. And then I, I, I'm i in this roller coaster of revenue. And so we're like, I need support. I need sales support. I need sales support. But then we can't really afford great sales support. So we're always like, what do I do? And one of the things that we talked about offline was, really developing these strong relationships in your network to help in a way become your unofficial sales team. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it's interesting because like for most of us, none of us are going to be as passionate about selling our business, our services as we are, but we also don't necessarily want to like 
we don't want to push a push a product ourselves and we don't want to hand it off to somebody else. So if you want to build a really great sales team, build a great network of strategic partners. And when I say strategic partners, I don't mean like official, like we have a contract signed, we're doing this project together. I mean, like people who have invested, you are invested in one another's success in a way that makes you want to refer one another and that they have access to your ideal clients. Yes. I do feel like that, that is so important. And that's really how I built a lot of my business, like going out and building a lot of the relationships from a sales focus was just something I'm just like, oh my gosh, I, I, I can't do that. Where it's just like, go and talk to these people and book these sales calls. I'm just like, that is never going to be me. But I built a lot of the relationships where then it's getting that strategic partners where we, we refer people back and forth. And I build my business on that. My success comes from the relationships that I built and the referrals that I get. Yeah. And it's like, it's not just going to be anybody. First of all, you have to have a business that you're good at. You got to be good at what you do, right? And be specialized enough that you are not just a do-it-all kind of person. So be specialized. Here's a a great example. One of my friends is a bookkeeper for agencies and another one is a coach for agencies. And they they are both awesome people. They get along, they spend time connecting with one another and they have the same ideal client. And they're both in a position to understand when the other one is needed in a scenario. So they can refer clients to one another all the time. And because they like each other, they're top of mind and they want the other person to succeed and they know the other person does a good job. And so it's it's like having a salesperson as a friend. And you know how much more powerful it is, especially today when someone says, look at her. It's It, it just rings differently than look at me. Yeah. There's so much trust that's built in. If you have a coach, if you're an agency and you have a coach and or anybody, if you're a business and you have a coach and you really trust that coach and that coach says, I think you should try out this bookkeeper. They are excellent. Is that, that is so much easier to grab onto and want to take action on than a bookkeeper reaching out to you and saying, Hey, I think I'd be a great bookkeeper for you. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And I know that for a fact, like I've lived it. I have some strategic partners that when they send me some of their clients, it's not jumping on a sales call to really sell myself. It's jumping on a call because they're like, all right, I have a few questions about your package that I have after looking at your website. But you know, seeing you're referred to us by our coach so-and-so, we know we're working with you. So let's just figure out the details and get started. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, that was the easiest sales conversation I've ever had to have because they were sold before they ever got on that call with me because of the person that referred them. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, I've, I've got a friend that I've been networking with for almost 30 years and she figures 80% of her revenue in the past 10 years has come from introductions I've made to her because she's good at what she does. And when I talk to somebody and they say, oh, I need to find a good blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, I know exactly who you should talk to. She's amazing. Seriously, call her. You're going to love her. And it's all true. But if I'm not motivated, if I'm not close enough to her or motivated to say that, then I'm not going to do it. And yeah, like using your network as a sales team is not going to be a high high volume leads, right? You're not going to get like you would with if you're promoting an article and selling a, selling a download or something like that or a freebie, I mean. It's not going to be the the high volume of leads, but they're going to convert at such a higher rate than than the high volume leads. They're going to be ready to buy. They're going to be qualified. Yeah, which saves yes. you time. 
Oh yeah. 100%. Like to get on one call and be like, all right, I know I'm going to book this person, like based on how the conversation is going versus like, all right, they're going to think about it. They're probably talking to five other people that do what I do. They might come back and book with me. They might decide that they're going with someone else. Like, no, like when people are sold before they get on the call with you, it's just, it's, it's amazing. And, you know, I just want to like, for those listening, talking about some of those strategic partnerships and everything, my, one of my uh, referral sources that is one of my top referral source, I was actually started off with them, like a strategic partner built into their business. So they used to do offer their clients packages that included recruiting. It was like, our, our clients need the service. We're going to make sure our clients get the best service in this, in their bigger package. They brought me in and I white labeled my services for them with their clients. They then got to a point where they made some pivots and shifts in their business and doing some of this built into their packages didn't quite make sense. So now, or they'll have people reach out to them that don't quite fit their bigger packages, but still need recruiting services. And they just send those people directly to me. So occasionally we still do projects together, but a lot of times now they're just sending me the business directly and it's no longer me working with their clients. They're directly my clients. So you never know, like figure out what works best for your business. But sometimes it's building those strategic partnerships where you are a part of their packages. And then you're either getting that business because it's their clients directly and they're bringing you in. So you're not involved in the sale at all. Or eventually they'll just say, you're great. You're amazing go do this, like go to that person. And we trust you. We trust you with, with the clients. Yeah. There's so many different ways we can, we can collaborate and build strategic partnerships and like complementary service providers are amazing. So if you, if you're a developer and you have a friend who does website copy, that's a perfect match. I have a couple of friends who have this sort of a relationship and they're both out there you know, getting sales and they both have their own individual referral partners, but they bring each other in on all kinds of projects because they don't, that's not their expertise and they trust them and they do a good job. And that's a win for everybody. So you just got to find those people and, and building that, like building that network for yourself very intentionally, I think starts with looking for people who are aligned with your values, who you have something in common with locations, really important too. If you can find people in your local area, it's not like a deal breaker, but like I got on a call recently randomly with a gal and um, it was another one of those things where like somebody emailed me and was like, Hey, I think you should know this person. You guys should connect. And I was like, okay, I don't know why, but okay. And then, so we get on the phone. It turns out she lives 15, 20 minutes from me. And that just like, you could tell the whole conversation sparked a little bit differently after we realized we were practically neighbors. And she ended up joining one of my, that small mastermind community, like on that call, she was like, I want in. And I, I sort of doubt if we hadn't, discovered we had that one kind of really cool thing in common that she would have been maybe so quick to pull the trigger. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely makes, makes a huge difference. And I think if if you're listening to this and you're really thinking about like, okay, who can my strategic partners be? Think about it this way. As, as Carrot kind of already said, the person that your client needs kind of like in conjunction with what you're offering, but not necessarily something that they would be looking at to say, I expect one company to do all these things. Cause then you get to that thing of like, should you bring them in? And should this person really be an extension of your team? Or is it that referral back and forth? But I think it's like one of those things that's like, well, if they typically need A, they need B too, but they're not always looking for a package that's A and B. That they're separate things, but they go kind of hand in hand. Like you mentioned, 
you know, the website design, you know, with this, with these other things, like they're not always looking for those two things together, but it makes sense in the bigger picture that if they do this, they're going to eventually need this or, you know, vice versa. Like bookkeepers and accountants. Bookkeepers make great referral partners for accountants and fractional CFOs because they're first on the scene. They're usually the first financial hire that a business makes. And so they're, they're in a place where they know when that business is ready to move to that next financial echelon, they need more guidance. And so they're ready to refer that person to somebody they trust. And who are you going to trust? Your bookkeeper probably. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And then the other way too, like there's some people that completely skip over the bookkeeper, but they have their accountants. And maybe at times when you're a smaller business that works and then it reaches a point where that accountant's like, come on. Yeah. I actually had an accountant before I had a bookkeeper. (laughs) There's things now where you need someone to take this off your plate. You should not be doing this anymore. So they're going to refer out to the, to the bookkeeper. So that's one of those great relationships that goes both ways when it comes to referrals. Yeah, and my account was like, okay, every year at tax time, you are a hot mess. I suggest you get a bookkeeper. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. Well, I'm going to ask now the pressing question. I know we've already talked about this, but it is something so many people have when it comes to these strategic partnerships and these referral relationships. Do I need to pay a commission? Is there a referral fee, a finder's fee? What should that look like? I think that depends. I have pretty strong opinions about how valuable reciprocity is. So I think if you are hiring a salesperson and you have an official, you know, inked relationship with them where you pay a certain commission, yes, they are doing a service for you that is very strategic. That is intentional. You have hired a salesperson. That's what they do. If you have a complimentary service provider or someone in your network that you don't have an official relationship with, and I kind of don't think you should because you never know where reciprocity is going to pay off. But if somebody refers somebody to me I if and I pay them something, there's a few different things that could go wrong. First, the person that they referred could question the integrity of the referral. Is Did they just refer me because they wanted to get paid? Second, it closes that circle of reciprocity. So once that person gets paid, they're no longer thinking, oh, I really need to pay that person back for that nice thing they did to me, for me, you know? Like if I pay someone, then I'm no longer beholden. Like that transaction's done. There's nothing like hanging out there to do for them. So I'm not yeah. thinking about them the next time something comes along that might be beneficial to them. And also you can, you never know, like some people value things in different ways. I heard a podcast not that long ago where this woman referred a couple of people to this guy and he made like millions of dollars off these two referrals. And he sent her like a $20 gift card or something. And she was like, seriously, millions of dollars. And you send me a $20 gift card. She was kind of insulted. And so you can, and I've seen that happen where somebody will give someone, here's $15 for the $5,000 contract I just got from you. So it's a little bit like icky or weird. So yeah, referrals, I don't think people should pay referral fees. It's a little different. Like I said, if you've got a sales team and that's a very, you know, linear relationship. And also if you're an affiliate, like if you have a product that you've put time into and you're not, you're no longer like actually actively working on that product or with that client, like affiliates are a little bit different because you're saying, Hey, there's a product here that I really love so much that I'm becoming a salesperson for this product on an yes. ongoing basis. It's a little more predictable, but just for referrals, casual referrals in your in your network, I turn down referral fees because I want the reciprocity. I want them to introduce me to somebody later down the road or be thinking about me later when 
the time is right. It's a long game. Yeah. And I, I agree there. Like in my business early on, someone told me to set up those strategic partners and set up a referral fee and, and all that. So I went and found some people. I was like, these people would be great. They're working with my idea client. And so we entered a contract with a referral fee. I never got one qualified lead from any of those people that we entered that formal contract that I was going to pay them for the leads that they sent me, the leads that turned into clients. I've gotten so much other business from other referrals where it was, it was that give and take relationship where you know, they did something. And I remember one person even, she was starting to send me a lot of business and I was like, should we set something up? And her response was, no, I'm sending you my clients. So when you do well, it reflects good on me. So my clients trust me more. They want to stay with me longer and everything. So she goes, I don't need to get money because I refer someone to you because it's going to come back in the long run. And it was like, it that kind of changed my mind. I was just like, all right, now I'm not going to worry about this. And that's how it's been. It's that give and take relationship of you send someone to me, of course, you're going to be top of mind. And I'm going to send someone to you when they're the right person. And I'm going to just trust that, you know, when I send someone to you that you're going to do well, and it's going to look good on me because it's I'm sending that quality referral instead of just being like, yeah, here's maybe someone that can help you and just throwing a name name out there because I might get a dollar from it. Yeah. And you t- you touched on something that's really important too, which is your reputation. So there's one, you know, it's one one thing to be really good at what you do, but you have to know that the other person's good at what they do. Cause otherwise you're not going to be the person people come to anymore. And then you're not a very you're not a very valuable referral partner if nobody wants your opinion about things. Yes. Yeah. Or to be like, oh my God, so-and-so sent me a referral again. This is going to be a waste of my time. Like you don't, yeah. you don't want those things. You want it to be that positive, positive relationship. And I love like, obviously you mentioned sales teams. Yes. If you are going out and hiring someone where their job, even if it is a contractor, so it's a portion of the work that they do throughout the week is to make sales for you, is to make connections for you. You're paying them to do that work. When we're talking about these kind of give and take relationships with these strategic partners, it's not their job to send people to you. They're doing it because they realize that this person has a need that you can fulfill. So they're in that moment fulfilling that person's needs. They're not seeking the people that need your products. They're just making the connections when it occurs. So that's kind of that difference there. Yes, if you're hiring a salesperson, you need to be paying that salesperson to be doing that work for you. Otherwise, they're not going to do the work for you. But if I'm your friend and we happen to work in the same industry and I find myself in a conversation that lends itself to referring you, I wasn't out pounding the pavement for you. I just... I'm just doing the kind thing and telling someone I have actually, you know what it is? I'm solving the problem. I realized recently I get a tremendous dopamine hit from solving problems. So when I'm connecting to people or, or referring someone, I'm solving their problem. So I genuinely believe that person's problem is going to be solved by the referral that I'm making. And that makes me so happy. I've already gotten the reward from the dopamine hit. Yeah. So you can kind of yes. think of it that way. Cause if you're, if you're an entrepreneur, if you have a business, you came into this to solve a problem. So yes. there's something in it for you. Yes, 100%. Yeah. And I do also like that you brought up the affiliates. And obviously, sometimes that's a little bit different because you can put an affiliate link on your website or promote a product that you feel really good about. And you know, having that little bit of kickback is is nice, but it's it's different than referring people for that one-to-one relationship so, and everything. So, totally. all right. Well, we have to start wrapping up for today. So Kara, tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. I love to connect with people on LinkedIn at just the... LinkedIn.com, I am Kara Steinman. 
And um, it's all, I think it's on my website. And then I'm really, I'd love people to know about Literation Lab too. Ravel's full right now. So we've got a wait list. If there's a service entrepreneur who wants to check that out, there's, you know, you can apply. Um, but Literation Lab is has been really helpful for me. And it's kind of busting open some creative confidence that I had forgotten I had. So that would be a fun place if anybody wants to join me there. Yes. And of course, links for everything will be in the show notes over at growingyourteam.com. All right, Kara, my final question that I love to ask all my guests. We have all had leaders or managers that have stood out to us. Think of a leader or manager that you have had and share with us one thing about them. So I think the person who has had the most impact on me as far as like leading me toward a better way of being or helping change the way I think about things is my aunt who just passed. And she was, she just lived by example and she was kind and generous. And she always had kind of a unique way of thinking about things that my aunt Bonnie, she was just amazing. And I love her and I miss her. Oh, well, thank you so much for sharing about her. And thank you so much for joining us today on the Growing Your Team podcast. Thank you. Are you ready to hire a new team member for your business and you want to ensure you hire the person who can succeed in the role, make you happy, and positively impact your bottom line? Then let's talk and see how growing your team can help you master the art of hiring. Through bespoke hiring frameworks and comprehensive guidance, you will learn how to attract candidates who have the passion you desire and the skills needed to succeed. At Growing Your Team, women entrepreneurs and leaders work with us to help them expand their unique businesses by teaching them how to hire like a pro. Let's connect and see how we can help you. Send me an email at jamie at growingyourteam.com. That's Jamie, J-A-M-I-E at growingyourteam.com or head on over to growingyourteam.com slash jumpstart with jumpstart being all one word. And let's talk about how you can become a confident leader who hires right every single time.